the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to this week's episode of Relevant Recovery Radio. We're your hosts, Heather and Donnie Mosier. I'm here. We're so glad you're tuning in with us today. I'm barely here. You're barely here. I almost died on the way here today. (laughs) Uh, I need to mention that this show, Relevant Recovery Radio, is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. We have a two-week detox and a two-year aftercare and recovery coaching program. So if you or a loved one is struggling with any sort of substance use disorder, you can visit our website at mhdrp.org, mahurpeterp.org, or, I know you hate it when I do that, or, I give, do. or give us a call at 844-AND-HOPE. That's 844-263-4673. We can answer any questions you may have. And we are so grateful you're listening today. If you're in Houston, it's uh, you're listening 1 p.m. Central in the H. Sunday. Sunday's KPRC 950. Um, and if you're not in Houston, you can always go to the iHeartRadio app. They play us live at 1 p.m. Central on the KPRC 950 channel. Uh, channel. And then at the end of every Sunday, they upload Reverie. our mediocre... End of every Sunday? <laughs> at the end of every Sunday. I don't really know what you're doing right now. She said it weird. Uh, they upload our mediocre podcast... <laughs> Under Relevant Recovery Radio. And you can go back and search and find your favorite Donnie moments. You know, savor them. Mine was the ones where you weren't here. That's everybody's. <laughs> <clears throat> That's everybody's. So, yeah, on the way here today, I was almost killed. I mean, like, literally, I thought this was... I, and the, the stupid thing is, is that I remember being at the house earlier, and he was like, hey, I gotta, you got to take your own car. I'm like, okay, I'm going to ride the bike. And I remember looking at your shirt because it's a really stupid looking shirt. And I remember I love telling this you, shirt. and I remember telling you, this may be it. This may be the day that I die on my motorcycle. And then, literally, within one block, I almost got hit by two cars. Yeah, and so that's not even the topic of today's show. But if we wanted to talk about how bad drivers are in Houston, we could definitely talk for an hour about that. That could be a seventeen part series. I just uh, encourage everybody to be mindful of the motorcycles on the road, and I do know that some motorcyclists drive like absolute idiots and they re- too they fast do. and they split do. I'm lanes, the first to tell and, you. and yeah. it's frustrating as a car that gets terrified when a guy splits lanes and goes by you at hundred miles an hour. It's yeah, absolutely those ridiculous. Guys are jerks. But at the same time, there's people like my husband on his motorcycle, just riding along, and um, people just move you out, and push. Thank you off God the road. I was paying attention. I had a, a blue Mercedes SUV. I know you're listening, <laughs> and I got some not, words but... for you. Uh, and then, so that lady like cuts into my lane, and like I was able to just kind of hit the brakes and get out of her way. I was kind of in the rear half of her car, so it wasn't too big a deal. I made it out alive, and then I move up, um, and then. <clears throat> the inside lane cuts and you can either go right for an entrance on the freeway mm-hmm. or just stay in your lane and it goes up for the U-turn. This green, <laughs> demon-driven Camaro <laughs> goes... I, new I'm, Camaro, old Camaro? New Camaro. Okay. Um, mm. And, I, sir, I know that you broke out of the mental ward or something. <laughs> They're going to find you. Cuts from the middle lane. So cuts across two right in front of me. Yeah. And forces me onto the freeway so he didn't hit me. I had no choice. 
So then I got to cut across, you know, those little like plastic things they put up to keep you from cutting. Yeah. I got to slowly go over a big giant hump and those to get back on the feed road so I don't have to go all the way back around again. Wow. And people are honking like. Like you're doing something to them. <laughs> right. You're just trying not to die, sir. Right. I just wanted to live. I just wanted to live just for a moment. Well, I think the core of your problem is that you were in the area of 610 and Post Oak Boulevard. The Galleria, the home <laughs> of pretentiousness because and selfishness. That's where we record the radio show. That's where the wonderful iHeart Studios are. But the people in that area seem to drive more selfish and more entitled and more aggressive than any other oh. area in my experience. It's just unbelievable. It's sad. So, like, pay attention to how you drive, people. Like, be considerate. Be nice. Like, take turns. Use your blinker. Be considerate. <laughs> what? Use your <laughs> blinker? <laughs> like, it, like, oh, my gosh. But anyways, I mean, the, here's the good thing is that... You're alive. You're here. Whoop the good thing is that over the last... <laughs> my God. <laughs> but we're going to do a radio show today on how much I hate Heather. <laughs> uh, no, honestly, like... Through your influence mm-hmm. and through God's help, I don't ride the way I used to do. Because I used to ride like that guy, the, the lane-splitting, crazy. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And, I, and had I been riding like that today, I would have gotten killed. Yeah. I mean, or at least hurt. I remember bad. when we were first dating, and I rode on the back of your motorcycle with you, and you split lanes and drove like that with me, and we got in the biggest fight in the parking lot of a movable feast. <laughs> yeah, because you were like, I, I said, don't know. listen, heroin didn't kill me. And yeah. your driving's not going to. When I'm with you, you're going to drive like you respect my life. And so I had to learn to do that. <laughs> Real quick. <laughs> like, I don't know what respecting your life looks like, but we'll give it a shot. <laughs> and so you've made a, a lot of progress in your driving. But yeah, so I don't, I don't ride like I used to. So I try and respect the other drivers on the road. I try to drive like I want others to drive around me. How know? considerate. Yeah. Yeah, so. so the other thing I want to say is... And I'm hoping this spills oh. from this segment into the next, what you're about to say, because I want to hear a lot about it. Yeah, so I wanted to speak on the success of Houston's first and only sober music festival called Soberfest. Uh, Recover Out Loud was this year's theme. This year was the first year. We had it last Sunday, and I'm so excited to report what a success that event was. I'm blown away. There I'm was, blown away that a bunch of filthy drug addicts could put together <laughs> something so cool. It was amazing. There was close to a thousand people that came through the doors at the White Oak Music Hall last Sunday. And live music, live DJ. Live music, DJ, food trucks, vendors, vendors in recovery, artists in recovery, people up in the VIP rooms enjoying uh, mocktails. Was there was there kids there? There was a lot of kids there. Was there really? So mm-hmm. there was families that yes, attended? Yes, Or single moms with their kids? Yeah. Any, any of that, even one of the performers. Uh, Legacy Man, whose shirt I'm wearing today, which I love. Uh, he had. I all, really like that shirt. <laughs> he had all three kids. I didn't know you were going to call me. I like. I really <laughs> like that shirt. You don't like it because it's like bright pink and '80s, but I love it and I bought it. And yeah. uh, he was so entertained. There was amazing artists. Everybody should be so proud of the event they put on, and I'm just grateful I got to be I'm, a part of it. I'm proud of you. I really am because I watched you sort of like this was an idea about a year ago. Yeah. Was it maybe a little over a year ago? It was an idea between you and Brian. Brian Brannon. <clears throat> and um, what you guys turned it into was absolutely Nothing amazing. Nothing short so. of a miracle. Yeah, so so don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back. When we come back, we'll finish our story about that. Summerfest. Go on to other things. Got a topic we'll be right for back you today. With Relevant Recovery Radio.
Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio with your hosts, Heather and Donnie Mosier. We are in studio today talking about, well, we're opening with sort of a report on Soberfest. It was an amazingly successful event. Uh, it's definitely going to be an annual event. Um, we're already talking about planning and getting things lined up for next year. Yeah. We anticipate it'll be double or triple the size next year with some amazing uh, headlining artists. And uh, we even had people reach out to us from other states asking us to bring a Soberfest to their state. That's happened to a lot a lot of us on the committee. You're kidding people me. People are asking us to help them plan theirs. They want to do it in Minnesota. They want to do it in Ohio. They want to do it in Florida. Florida, let's go help them. <laughs> yeah, we'll go help Florida. I mean, that's Texas dirty cousin. cousin. We'll go over there. Let's go. Uh-huh. And I just want to give a big shout out to David Sunday with the Party Sober <clears throat> Partnership at the Council on Recovery because this was like... Um, a small idea me and Brian Brennan had over a year ago, and then we got some other people pulled in. But once we got hooked up with David Sunday, mm-hmm. he made this event what it was. He got all of us together, and he was just boots on the ground planning and and helping us execute it. And so it wouldn't have been what it was without David Sunday. That is really cool. And and so what what was your what was the thing that you saw that you could that you really want to improve for next year? What would you like to do different? Well, one lesson learned is don't uh, open the doors at the same time the ticket, the, the act, the first act goes on. <laughs> okay, so we need an hour buffer. We need an hour buffer. Uh, we didn't realize <laughs> that the doors weren't going to open earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now we realize that doors should be open an hour before the first act goes on. Anything else? Um, we want to do the whole venue outside next year in so, one central location. So walk me through the setup. What did you have this year? So you had an outdoor food trucks, DJ. Vendors what? selling stuff, tables to sit and eat. There was a lot going on outside um, with an amazing DJ that really did a great job helping people party and, and have fun outside. Uh, but inside was where uh, the main acts were going on all day with the downstairs and the upstairs VIP room and the, the artist merch tables and stuff like that and free mocktails upstairs in the vip room and i'm running around backstage and making sure everybody starts on time and trying to keep everybody on track and that they have what they need um but we realized some people spent all day outside and never came inside Ah. and they didn't necessarily know what was happening inside and so i think we had a lot of stuff going on that was amazing but it was just kind of compartmentalized in other areas and so we could do a better job of keeping it all in one place so that one sort of entertainment's not competing for attention with another sort of entertainment okay so and what did you guys do well we did everything else well (laughs) Uh, (laughs) no 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 no. seriously (laughs) um i live with you And, uh, well, I was the marketing chair, so I think I did a good job of making sure people knew that Soberfest was happening because there was a thousand people there. Let me rephrase that. What was the highlights for you? Give me the two highlights for you One of, of your whole day. One of the coolest highlights was how many people were having a good time, A, um, but running into, there were so many of us that ran into people we hadn't seen in a long time, oh. whether it was girls I used to sponsor and haven't heard from them in years or whether it was like our friend. Yeah, you had a realization. <laughs> yeah, I get fired a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I ran into like five or six different girls I used to sponsor. And yeah. after like the fourth one, I'm like, man, I get fired a lot. That's pretty great. <laughs> uh, but sober, doing great. They were yeah. grateful to see me. I was grateful to see them and how well they're doing. Um, it was That was this cool sort of thing. A bunch of our friends were running into people. In fact, one of our close friends, I won't name him, used to be sponsored by one of the artists that performed. That's and so cool. And the artist that performed was so shocked that the guy wasn't dead. Well, we all were. 
We right? all were. <laughs> and, we uh, love him very much. I in know. fact, he might have been on this show one time, <laughs> and we all love him. And so that was what was the coolest thing, is getting to hear people say they run into people they haven't seen in years, years and years. And uh, What was the other thing? I cut you off. Uh, and then the other thing was, I don't know, I probably shouldn't have cut you off. But probably not. It's what I do. Mm-hmm. Can we get to our topic? I mean, if you want to, I, I just uh, I just wanted to say that I, I am proud of you. I really am. I, I saw you really, really like put a lot into that. You guys all as a team came together. And I mean, let's face it, you're all drug addicts. You've all lived on the streets at one time or had some pretty sketch lives. Yeah. And look at what you did. You put together um, a sober music fest. Alcohol-free environment that, for a thousand people. For it the first fun. run, a thousand people show up. That's like a huge deal, yeah. and uh, and I think it's going to be really great next year. I, and I can't too. wait. I'd I'd like to be in town for it. Well, hopefully, um, you are. so I'll set the date. I'm going to sneeze, so you should talk. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so uh, our topic is one that I'll, I'll be quite honest with you. In the rooms, I hate. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It but, comes but, up every year on holidays. I hate it in the rooms that we are in because. Um, it's kind of a, an inside joke. I didn't sneeze. Sorry, I'm back now. Um, so this, let's tell them what the topic is. The topic is how it. to stay sober during the summer parties or holidays, Like because we have Memorial Day and Fourth of July coming up. And we've also done one back in the you know the Christmas holidays. We did one back then, too. Yeah. But I think that this is a good topic for us to talk about you know, on our podcast, assuming a lot of people listening are not active 12-step members in the rooms. Because, because they have, need this information. Well, if you've worked all the 12 steps and you're sponsored, There's no like, issue staying sober I can go through a holiday. I, want. Yeah. Right. I mean, I was in a motorcycle club and a bar multiple times So I want to week. premise this idea. We're going to dive in talking about different scenarios that might be uh, triggering or troublesome and, and how to have some ideas and some safety nets in place to make sure you make it through the holiday in case you're not uh, solid in your recovery. But the true hope is that you're someone diligently working a spiritual program of recovery and on the other side of that and recovered like you and I are and so that there are no triggers and I won't accidentally end up drunk if I'm at a party with alcohol. It just doesn't occur. <laughs> I think this is also for the person who's not sure. Yeah, yeah. Right? So let's say you want to challenge yourself to be sober during some holidays. Maybe you're afraid you drink too much. These would be some good ideas or some things you could do. Right. And so I don't know why anybody want to do that if they didn't have to, but <laughs> but I think only the potential alcoholic would even debate trying that experiment. It's probably pretty accurate. <laughs> but I do think a lot of people are sober curious, wondering whether or not they're alcoholic. <laughs> That's a thing. That's a thing. Sober curious. Don't make fun of it. It's a thing. And okay. uh, they're maybe curious about sobriety and recovery. They're not necessarily there. They're not necessarily <laughs> saying that they're an alcoholic. Um, it's a it's a new PC phrase. Okay. All right. Sober curious. Yeah, so point blank is you're going to be invited to some holiday get-togethers, whether you're going to have a barbecue at a park, whether you're going to a pool party. And why is this a big deal? Like, I remember... Take yourself back to when you were newly oh, sober. Oh, gosh, I remember. Like, how am I going to go do this and be around <laughs> alcohol and not want to How drink? am I going to drive my vehicle without being high and drug at the <laughs> same time? How am I going to sit in traffic? I think it's a real concern for some people. It was a real concern for me. They've always, or maybe not always, but generally, uh, people are used to... The, you equate uh, it. You equate it. Like yeah. good time picnic equals drinking. That's, you, you just kind of equate Memorial it that Day, way. Memorial Day, boats, 
beer. Um, maybe it's like, you know, you're mowing your yard during the summer and you're used to having a beer after you mow the yard. Ugh, maybe every once in a while I really miss that, like an ice cold Corona after mowing the yard. I'm, I don't think that's helpful, but thanks for including that. I'm just I'm, saying it's really good. But that's what I'm saying some of our listeners are at and how can we help them see the truth about the nature of their condition or what to do about it. I, I think, unfortunately, there's no way to help them see the truth. I think the only thing you can do is like make the decision and walk through it. Because when I first got sober, I had all those thoughts like, mm. I'm, I'm never going to have fun again. I'm yeah. never going to go to a barbecue. I'm never going to enjoy it. I'm never going to like, how do you have fun hanging out? I'm never going to be funny again. I'm never going to enjoy like, because it's if you really are a chronic alcoholic, if your life has come to that, then your whole life has transitioned to where everything is planned around your drink or drug of choice. Yeah. Um, going to work. Well, I got to have that time to toke before I go to work. Or if I'm going to drive, I want to maybe hit a little bit, hit a few hits and then get a drink ready for that. I, mean, I know it sounds ridiculous, folks, but it's true. Right. Uh, and so especially uh, the barbecues, the parties and all that is like, that's carte blanche. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's a free-for-all. I'm allowed to. Like, I, I love to hear people say, well, I went camping. <laughs> so I started drinking at 8 in the morning because when you're camping, you can do that. And that's kind of the way we think. It's like, it's barbecue. It's I can cut loose. Mm -hmm. I can drink on the way there, drink while I'm there. And it's like, okay, now I'm in this new life. What does that look like? Or maybe they're not even in a new life yet. So when, well, you take a break in a second, but I want to talk about just the people being curious about, do I need to try? Do I even need to try to stay sober through the holidays? Oh, I'm going to let you talk about that. I don't get yeah, that one. Hey, so listen, don't go anywhere. We will be right back with Relevant Recovery Radio. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio with your hosts, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Heather, why are we here today? <laughs> We're here because this show is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. We have a two-week detox and two-year aftercare and recovery coaching program. So you, if you or a loved one would like any information uh, about our substance use disorder program, give us a call at 844-263-4673 or visit our website at m hdrp.org. And if you're waiting in line for something, staring at your phone for a little bit, what is the website for the IASIS so they can learn about that? Because anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. Um, Matthewshope.org. And they've got information on yep. microcurrent neurofeedback and what it does for you, the benefits. Yeah. And so you can come to our outpatient clinic at the 29610 location and you can come get IASIS for tinnitus, PTSD, And you don't have to burn your life TBI. down to do that. You can literally just be like, you know what? Hey, I want to improve my life. I'm just going to go on in and if do it. If you even think that you struggle with a high stress or anxiety, you should make an appointment and come try IASIS and see if it helps you. Um, it's 85% of the people see reduction in stress and anxiety in one to three sessions. So do you think it'll help our marriage? Nothing can help our marriage. I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're talking about how do I, if I have recently quit drinking or what you want to talk, talk about. I wanted to talk about the sober curious for a second curious, first. Yeah. How do I get through? So let's assume we're talking to people that maybe aren't in recovery yet, okay? okay. And maybe you're a person listening and you're thinking, maybe I should try to stay sober through Memorial Day and or 4th of July to, to not embarrass my family. Maybe there's been, maybe you've run to Christmas 
Maybe right. you ruined New Year's. You've had family warnings. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're not doing that again this year. Maybe something has occurred, and maybe you don't think you're an alcoholic, but maybe you think that your life could possibly benefit by not drinking at these occasions. Yeah. And so I would like to challenge you, uh, if that's where you're at, to see how long you can go, A, without drinking, Mm-hmm. And to see if you have the willpower within you to be able to do that. Because if you don't and you drink again anyway, you're probably like me and Donnie. Um, and that's okay because we have a solution to that too. I'm sorry. But some people do have the ability to execute that decision even though drinking was problematic for them. Some people, we call it an acute alcoholic. They it's still cute. It's cute. They still have the ability to say, hey... Uh, that buffoonery was bad a few mm-hmm. months ago, mm-hmm. and I'm just not going to drink this summer. They have consequences. So they face consequences or a warning, and they're like, okay, I'm going to heat it. And so I encourage you to uh, challenge yourself and, and see if you have the ability to execute and live out that decision. What's, what's some of the warning signs that maybe this needs to be a thought? Like uh, I had a thought of I can't have fun unless I drink. Right, right. Or I won't enjoy it unless I drink. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not okay unless I drink. Or I'm uptight. Or I just want to cut loose. I just want to cut loose. I just want to have fun. If you can't do those things without a drink. It might be a problem. Or maybe just a little bit of cocaine. You know, sometimes <laughs> a little bit of cocaine take the edge off. If you can't do those things without those substances, they're, they're literally, there may be a problem. Might be. And so I would say a little investigative period is needed, a little Mm -hmm. research is needed to see if you, the individual, has the ability, the willpower, uh, to execute the decision to not drink. Okay, so now what about those who just got sober a week ago? Yeah, so now Newly sober. Newly sober people. And they're diligently seeking out a sponsor, and they want to get in them steps quickly, but they're not (laughs) through them yet. Well, yeah, well, let's say there's people that ha- are in recovery and in early sobriety, but they may not even be in the 12 steps at all. Right, right, well, right. Okay, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. And so let's say that that's a possibility too. Someone is, you know, two, three, four months sober. Visitors. And they haven't done any program of recovery. They're just sober. Okay. Here's so we're talking about unsurrendered people. <laughs> well, not everybody needs 12 steps, but I'm trying to be a little bit more neutral <clears throat> okay. than you. But, um, I'm in rigid mode today, I guess. Apparently. Yeah, it's what it's what a near-death experience will do to you, With the Heather. the green Camaro. That's right. I'm so, going to get you, sir. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is if you're like me and Donnie, and you, me and you, <laughs> if you... You're, you're a sad, lonely person. Lonely, trash panda. <laughs> Therapy does not work for you. <laughs> You've tried all the other avenues to release yourself from the bondage of your own mind. Move to South America and become a missionary. <laughs> No, seriously. If you're like me and Donnie, then you're pretty uncomfortable in your own skin, sober, and pretty paralyzingly insecure or anxious or depressed most of your life. Yeah. And um, the drug or the alcohol relieves you from the bondage of being you. And so you really don't want to fathom. It's it, What I'm saying is if you're newly in recovery and you're not working a spiritual program to get through the steps, uh, the holidays or any scenario will be very uncomfortable for you. It is highly likely that you will be restless, anxious, irritable, discontented, habitually unhappy during this chunk of time. That's normal because here's yeah. what here's the here's the stage. If you're a chronic alcoholic or drug addict like me and you, yeah, me, me and you, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but you've removed the drink or the drug. You've removed the thing that was the solution to being me. Right, because when I am uncomfortable, 
when I am in self-obsession, when I am worried about what everybody thinks about me, you know what makes that go away? Alcohol and drugs, a little heroin. A couple of shots, a few lines of cocaine. Now but, I'm the head of the party. So my point is, is that you're supposed to be, it's highly likely that you will be not feeling great because this is what people might know as a dry drunk. Okay. And so if you have chronic alcoholism like you and I do, yeah. there's only two things that treat that, period. Alcohol or drugs while it works. <laughs> so when you're drinking, you're, you're good. Um, but if you don't have that, the only other thing that treats it is a spiritual connection. So if you don't have that, then you have untreated alcoholism, which we also call a dry drunk. This is someone not drinking or not doing drugs. They're dry at the moment. But they don't have but, a real solution to be comfortable they're, they're in their they're own skin. They're white-knuckling it. It is yeah. not comfortable. They I've done want plenty it, of that. They want to jump out of their own skin. Going to a yeah. party and being around people drinking or seeing alcohol is not going to sound like a good time. And it's... Um and if that's you, you should avoid those scenarios. It's highly likely you either won't have fun or you won't make it safe through the event sober. And so have a backup plan. Is there something else you can go do? Is there something else with like sober friends that you can go hang out with? You don't have to go to your family party where Uncle George and everybody's drinking. Yeah. Uh, you can Uncle go to, George is a problem. <laughs> you can go to like a 12-step clubhouse and spend the day there with sober <clears throat> like-minded people yeah. um, because for someone unrecovered or still spiritually sick but sober – um, triggers are real, and you will most likely end up succumbing to the desire and putting it in your body. Absolutely. And and we have to think about the season that we're coming into. You know, it starts with Memorial Day, mm-hmm. uh, and then you go through the summer. There's lots of camping and vacations and Fourth of July, and then it ends with Labor Day. So there's there are a lot of barbecues. It is that time of year. And did we finish relapse season? Yeah, March through May. So we're March finishing it up so now. So we're finally finishing up relapse season. Woo! It was a tough one this year. So and so I call it relapse season because that's the season where I see most people lose their sobriety and go back out. We saw a bunch. Bunch in our in our own little pocket. And yeah. uh, my point is, is that's not the going to treatment season. That's just the relapse season. It takes yeah. another few more months for people to go. So, okay, this is a big problem. I need right. to go to treatment. And so it's normally in the summer, uh, July, August, September chunk where most people start influxing into rehabs yeah you don't have anything else to say about that not really <laughs> no i was just i was thinking about like what is the next season and what do i wear for it anyways okay so my point is, you're not helpful today at all but that's okay i'll I keep we're going we're just gonna have some fun mm. so my point is i almost died today heather <laughs> i almost died you I, don't even i paid the green camaro guy to take you out <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I wish I thought that was a joke. <laughs> no, but seriously, listen, what I'm saying is is if someone is not a recovered alcoholic yet and they're white knuckling it and they're yeah. they're fighting for their sobriety each day, you should avoid those dangerous situations to the certain degree. When I got sober in April of 2013, I had ticket so I am a, a child of the 80s, mm-hmm. born in the 70s. Yeah. But I'm 39. <laughs> liar. And you're a liar. <laughs> One of my favorite bands from my teen years into my 20s is the Toadies. I love the oh, Toadies. Oh, the Toadies, yeah. So I had bought, but prior to getting sober, I had bought tickets to the Spring Crawfish Festival, and that year the Toadies were playing. Mm-hmm. So I get sober in April, May, I think it was like right in the beginning of June was the festival. I could be wrong, but I think that's when it was. I didn't go. Yeah. The money I had spent, I just let it go because I didn't 
yet have the ability. It really frightened me to be around all that drinking. You were not on solid spiritual ground in your I program yet, and you knew to avoid it. And here's the beauty. Okay, 10 years later. So that first year, I didn't do anything like that. I just kind of mm-hmm. stayed away from all of it because I wanted to do that, and I was okay with it. Right. I have fully made up for all of that in the nine years and after it. And I'll also say that... And I've had a blast. You and I hit concerts. We go anywhere we want to go. And I just want to say that your timeline that you just mentioned isn't the point of the story, per se, because um, I avoided a concert early on in recovery, too. But I think I was like four or five months sober when Michelle and I went to Primus. Yeah. I also went to Manson at the Aztec Theater in San Antonio in early recovery. Yeah. And there were definitely not sober people but in the crowd at Primus. But that's why, I made, that's why I made the caveat, I wanted to do it. Right. I chose it for a year. I was just going to kind of stay And I'm just saying, it. like, I was spiritually fit through the steps, and I knew I could be around it, and I did not feel in danger of relapse. So I felt safe to go. When do you think you're going to feel safe again? <laughs> All right, listen, uh, we're going to pray for Heather's recovery. Don't go nowhere. We're going to be right back, and we'll give you some solution on Relevant Recovery Radio. Welcome back. Welcome back to Relevant <laughs> Recovery Radio. I was going to pause, and she hates that, but anyways. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio with your host, Heather and Donnie Mosier. And today we're talking about finishing up relapse season and getting into party season. Yeah. What do you do so, when you don't want to drink or when you have stopped drinking, you're new at the not drinking thing, and you've got to go to picnics, parties, and family gatherings over the summer, starting so with Memorial Day. you should have a backup Day. plan in some of those scenarios. You should have a backup plan for if you feel shaky in your recovery, you should have a person you're supposed to call. Um, you should have an exit plan. Uh, if things start getting out of hand or you start feeling too tempted, mm-hmm. leave. Make sure you take your own car. Make sure you have an ability to go. Another good idea is to take a, a buddy with you, someone who is in recovery or uh, supportive of your recovery. So that way they can help be your support system during it and they can check and say, hey, do we need to go? And so that and it, you have support in that scenario. It may be a good indicator of where you are if you don't have any friends that qualify for the not drinking kind. <laughs> Right. <laughs> like if you're if you're looking for a buddy and you don't have a buddy that doesn't drink or can't not drink for that one party, then you but may. But on the flip side, I want to explain to people what their life could look like if they navigate it. So let's finish. Like, what are the tips and tricks? Okay. Have so, a buddy. Have an exit plan. Yeah. Uh, you know, have someone you can call. Have support. Have a story. Listen, we are all about absolute truth, Heather and I. But what we encourage is that. If you need to make something up, do it. This is for your health and your safety. So if, if you someone need to say, offers hey, you a drink, have canned responses on why you don't drink. What are some of those? Uh, I'm on meds. Uh, yeah, say, so I can't drink on my medication. You can I'm allergic. S- I'm allergic to alcohol. No, thank you. Um, or go ahead and go get a drink and have a regular drink, ginger ale or soda pop or whatever, in your hands. So that way, oh, I got one. Thanks. Yeah, be um, prepared for with canned responses on how to refuse a drink. And when you get there, you can also lay it out like, "Hey, I may have to leave early. I got this thing, whatever." Like, you just you have to be prepared to do whatever you have to do to stay sober if that's what you desire. Here's an example um, of what not to do. So yeah, I had a client that uh, went through a detox. Okay, and a few months later, came back again for a second time. Yeah, and I said, "Hey, buddy, what happened? Why are you drink again? You know, just <laughs> like that." And uh, his story was he was at a wedding, and he was at the wedding, and people were handing out champagne for the toast. Yeah, he got to drink it. And his whole rationale was he didn't want to refuse it and be the odd one out. 
But here is the thing. <laughs> I, I mean, I really want everybody to hear this. Uh-huh. I have been sober for 10 years. I believe that I am spiritually fit, that I can go anywhere I want to go and not be tempted to drink. But there have been times, and recently, where I am at a business dinner and people get a drink, and for a moment, I'm jealous. For a moment, I wish that I could do that. For a moment, I want to fit in. I don't want to be different from them. That's how I felt when you and I were dating and you were in the motorcycle club, and I was trying to befriend all the other wives that were drinking. The old ladies. Yeah, the old ladies. And I wished I could party like them and get on their level and loosen up like them, and I know that I can't because I know I'm allergic to alcohol. But that Okay, so that's my point right there. Because we have been through these steps, because we've sponsored, because we are spiritually fit, I can have that thought. It's a fleeting thought. I don't entertain it, and I go, but I can't. Yeah, but if the thought is actually more than fleeting and sticks around a little bit longer and makes you slightly more uncomfortable... Get out. Get out. Yeah. Get out. You got to go. Leave the scenario because immediately. Because if you have entered a 12-step program, if you've got a sponsor, you're working the steps, there will be days you are going to get to do all these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I promise you, is like if you work this program, you will never have to drink again. And if you worked the program and get to the other side of spiritual connectivity, what's promised is that we can go anywhere and do anything and that triggers are not real. And, I, and I'm and i not cocky. I'm not afraid of a relapse, that I'm just neutral to it. There's no danger. If, I, if I'm close to God each day, there's no danger of me accidentally ending up in the wrong spot and accidentally drinking. Right. Here's, a, here's another one. So why do we drink at parties? Well, we drink at parties because we are uncomfortable in our own skin. You mentioned that. Mm-hmm. And my first sponsor gave me a great tip and trick. If I'm going to a party and I'm an uncomfortable person, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to talk. You're anxious. You're shy. You're backwards. Or if I'm just completely self-obsessed, what do they think about me? Do they want me here? Do they like me here? Who's my friend? Who's not my friend? Who am I going to sit by? Are they waiting for me to leave? Are they going to talk trash about me after I'm gone? All that self-obsession, right? (laughs) Here's the trick. When you walk into that party, never talk about you or your life. He mm-hmm. gave me this tri- tip and trick one time. I was going to a picnic, uh, semi-newly sober. They were drinking. Uh, I was a year. Uh, they were drinking, and, he, and I said, you know, I'm really nervous because I'm going to a whole bunch of people that don't know I'm an alcoholic. They don't know that I'm sober, all of this. And he said, you're not allowed to talk about you. He said, people love to talk about themselves. Go in there and ask every person questions about themselves. Who are you? What do you, you do you for from? a living? What's your family like? Where are you? Yeah, and... and you know what happened is I ended up becoming the hit of the party because everybody got to talk about themselves and it was really, really cool. And so it's a great tip and a trick if you're going somewhere where you're normally uncomfortable and you need a drink, Yep. right? You need to feel comfortable. I've um, borrowed that a few, many a times. It, it just really works. And it, you know what's uncomfortable about it? I love talking about me. Everybody wants to talk about yeah. themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but to just get invested in other people... Wow. It, it's actually a pretty cool thing. It's really uncomfortable the first few times you do it, but it gets so much better. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, what are some other things? What are some other? Okay. Now you so, wanted to talk about like the benefit. And I think that the well, fellowship side. So, but before that, the other tip or trick you can do is go to a party prepared, whether you like Red Bull or bangs or whatever it is your drinky drink is. Speaking of bangs, if you're successful and don't drink, you may not wake up next to a stranger. <laughs> Right. But what I'm saying is there's like energy drink called bang. Kate likes them. What I'm saying is get like a little cooler and take your drinks with you. Yeah. So that way you're not susceptible to being offering drinks. You're like, oh, I got my cooler right here. Got my stuff, whatever. And here's another one. So because I was in in early sobriety in the motorcycle club and bars a lot, 
you have to be really, Clear. really careful. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go pick up drinks for my brothers. Um, no big deal. I'm not drinking. But I would ask for a water or I would ask for a whatever. And I can't tell you how many times you lift it up. You can smell the alcohol. They have messed up. They've mm-hmm. given me the wrong drink. That happened to me uh, last year at Lupe Tortilla. They um, accidentally gave you heroin and a needle? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> that would have been a bad time or a good time, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. And I went with Candace and her niece who well, flew in. Well, welcome back to the storage unit. <laughs> we were having uh, dinner with someone who's normal. Yeah. her family member and I ordered a virgin pina colada and her niece ordered a regular pina colada and when the waiter brought it he said the one with the cherry is alcohol free handed it to me they were labeled wrong oh, um, no. but my straw was all the way down the bottom well, that's and you're like I didn't realize it at first but after the 16th one <laughs> no, no, no. I knew there was alcohol so, in it because the alcohol was at the top I didn't notice it at first Yeah. and, uh, and then maybe two or three drinks in I was like does yours have alcohol in it? And she's like, I can't tell. And then Candace took her straw and just picked off the top of it. Yeah. And she goes, yours has alcohol. And then she swapped them. So you do and have she to- started drinking it? <laughs> no. <laughs> but you do have to check and make sure. Sometimes even if you ask for a virgin drink or you specifically ask, they mess it up. They forget. They get them swamped on and, accident. And I have gotten a mouthful of vodka before. Yeah. and But because of where we're at, you spit it out and you go, hey, guys, that's not cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the other thing I was going to say about the fellowship side, because I wanted to give people hope of how different their life can be. We got We're, two minutes. Get it to get to it, girl. Because here's the deal. When you're newly sober, you're like, oh, I got to make all these sober friends. How are we going to have fun? Everything sounds boring. How do you have a party without alcohol? I don't want to be bored. And then I want to fast forward. If you put in the effort to navigate the bonds, the intentional relationships with a fellowship of your choice. You will have real friends for the first time in your life. Real, real friends. And so what I'm saying is like you and like I- Like ride or die type of friends. You and I are having a 4th of July party. We do every year. Yeah, we're party. having a white trash 4th of July party this year. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. Yeah. But yeah, we're having a white trash 4th of July bash. And- uh, Mullets uh, welcome. Around 40 alcoholics are going to be at our house and swimming in our pool and having a great time. Having a good time. To, get listening to music and popping off fireworks and the kids will be there. Yeah. And, man, it's just an amazing thing of what can happen for you if you invest in these relationships and make these connections and hang out with people. You do get to have fun. There's and actual real fun. Real fun. You don't feel bad about it later. And you remember you don't it tomorrow. Regrets. Yeah, it's a really good time. It's a really good time. <laughs> so, and the, other, the last thing I want to but talk about. But that does about- take effort. I just want to, that takes effort to invite people and be around people you don't know and to and to get their phone numbers and to invite them to things and to be where you don't want to be. It's inconvenient. Do you think that's the work that Bill was talking about, the work and self-sacrifice? That's the I mean, work? I think the work is the step work. Yeah. Okay. So the last thing I want to say is it's Sunday. Tomorrow's Memorial Day. Uh, if you've lost a loved one to uh, just military and, and wars, whatever, like, um, or if you've served, thank you for your service. But it's it's really about memorializing Memorial. the the soldiers that we've lost. Let's not forget that tomorrow. Yes. True. All right. What do you got to say? Don't forget, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. Hashtag, Hashtag God, God though. though.